Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's Thursday morning. We're headed into the weekend, but does that even matter anymore? You're telecommuting. You're working from home. Do the weekends feel that different than the weekdays? Are your kids behind on schoolwork? So basically you're doing you're helping them with schoolwork even on Saturday because they didn't get everything done during the five-day week. You got to play catch-up. How's that working? Odd times. I guess I have a little bit of normalcy because I still drive into radio and that's still five days a week. Uh, but you can ask Yach. There are times I still don't know what day of the week it is. <laughs> you know, I think the thing that really guided me on that, aside there is the work schedule and the anchor on Saturday and Sunday at TV and I, every Thursday we do the soccer show. But it, I really did look at the jazz schedule and like, okay, they play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And Adam's covering the Tuesday game and Dave's anger. So I don't do that one. Thursday, you know, I report, and then Saturday I anchor, and it always kind of kept me straight. And for whatever reason, I'm a mess now. Go figure. All right, here's what we got for you coming up this morning. Uh, we started our spring football tour. Yach is tracking down uh, people who cover teams that show up on the, uh, the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies schedule. We're trying to hit the Pac-12. Uh, the Utes are playing most of them. Cougars actually have like three games against the Pac-12. And the Cougars and Aggies play some of the same teams, uh, you know, in the Mountain West or some... Some spill over there as well, so we'll try to hit the teams that uh, interest you, and we'll try to make sure we cover all of the Pac-12 South for Ute fans. So Arizona coming up. Arizona, whoa, coming off uh, nine wins in two years. And I think when they made the move and hired someone, they were hoping they'd have nine-win seasons, but they've gone five and seven and four and eight. So uh, we'll get you covered on uh, Arizona, and we will do that coming up next with Michael Lev from uh, – paper in Tucson, and then we've got uh, Big T talking jazz after that. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, and Michael Lev joining us. He covers the Arizona Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star in Tucson. Michael, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing well. So we are uh, curious. We like to do the spring football tour across the schedules for the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies here. And we are curious. Arizona football has been down. Do you feel a bounce back coming, or is there more of the same on the way? Gosh, it's so hard to say. Um, I think that it would have been nice to have a full spring practice. That's for sure. Um because, you know, Arizona is one of many teams across Pac-12 that brought in um, some new coaches, specifically a new defensive coordinator. So, you know, you have a new scheme. Um, you've got an entire, entirely new staff on that side of the ball. It would have been really helpful for them to, you know, get all 15 spring practices in. I mean, I don't know if people fully understand the value of those things. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Alarms going off here. The value of spring practice when you have new coaches, you know, just everyone getting to know each other, getting to know that new scheme, um, becoming familiar with it, you know, establishing um, sort of that base, 
heading into training camp. They got four practices in before everything got shut down. And I think that's really put kind of a, a question mark um, over, you know, the entirety um, of, you know, of what, the, of what this team can be because um, the biggest problem Arizona's had really um, for several years is on that side of the ball. You know, the defense has been bottom three um, in the league um, despite different coordinators, different schemes, different personnel. Uh, they brought in Paul Rhodes, um, former head coach at Iowa State. Everyone, you know, loves him as far as the initial impression goes, but it doesn't go any further than that because they only got those four practices in. So it's really hard to say. Yeah, I thought that was uh, something that obviously they need to address offense or defensively, I should say. And Rhodes brings a ton of experience when uh, you look at the defense. Uh, if no, no matter who they brought in, uh, you could argue that, well, they can't get any lower. But I think the defense can be, I don't know if they could be substantially better, but I think they can definitely be better, uh, particularly with the linebackers, because they look like they're going to be strong there. Well, I think if you look at the defense overall, you could make a case that, hey, you know, they could put out a pretty decent first unit. They have a lot of experience, um, especially – as you mentioned, um, with the linebackers, um, Colin Senior, Tony Field, uh, Colin Schooler, Tony Field, Anthony Pandy, all heading into their senior seasons. Um, Colin Schooler and Tony Field have played every game um, since they've been here. Um, so tons of experience at that spot. Um, but overall, defensively, not a lot of depth. Um, and it's, it's a huge concern. Um, it's something that they tried to address in recruiting, but it's really hard to rely um, on freshmen, especially um, when the freshmen you're bringing in are all kind of in that three-star category or below. I mean, they brought in you know, a lot of players with impressive-looking frames uh, who might have good long-term upside, but you know, to be able to rely on those guys to have an impact that first year, it's kind of a long shot. Um, so I think there's the makings of a decent defensive first unit. I think there's potential for improvement in year one, but it's going to be really hard. I'm um, going back to what I said earlier about Paul Rhodes, like the first, you know, kind of tenet of his program um, was he wanted to improve the tackling. It was kind of the first thing he mentioned when we met him in December. Is the first thing he mentioned um, when we talked to him in early March. Think of how hard it's going to be to, you know, implement an improved tackling program when you don't have the ability to practice, you know, or maybe the practice time is curtailed um, because there's some sort of condensed schedule implemented, um, you know, as we all figure out, you know, kind of like what, what, the, what the fall is going to look like here. So I think it's going to be extremely challenging, um, you know, no matter how good Paul Rhodes' resume is no matter how much experience they have at the linebacking core and, and other spots throughout the defense. Obviously, Khalil Tate had a real roller coaster there. Great debut for Arizona. Had injuries, coaching changed, the production wasn't as good, but the Khalil Tate-Arizona story is written. Grant Gannell got to play as a freshman, looked pretty good, um, did some nice things. So is he, is he the guy? Is there anybody else behind him, or is, is it definitely Grant's job now as a sophomore? Yeah, I mean, I think he's in that position of it's his job to lose. Um, 
you know, they, they, and one of the sort of giveaways in that regard is, is they, um, they decide which players are made available for interviews. And, and in the, in the few days that we did get um, with the team in early March, he was one of the guys um, that they put out there. Um, they've kind of promoted him on social media. Um, he was a huge recruit out of Texas, you know, set the state record uh, for passing yards um, in the history of Texas high school football, which, I mean, as you guys know, is, you know, what, you know, maybe the best state there is for high school football. Um, and, and it's a state where they want to make uh, a lot of inroads in recruiting. So there are a lot of reasons um, for them to, to place Grant Gannell in that position. He's one of those guys who he doesn't have like tremendous, you know, physical attributes. He's not going to wow you, you know, um, with his, his quote unquote arm talent, but he's got really good size. He's legit six foot six. He's really smart um, and studious. You know, one of those, you know, gym rat type of guys. Um, he's, you know, really taken a, a leadership role already um, as a sophomore as far as organizing team activities when they could do that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I think he's he's poised to put up really good numbers um, this year. And, and the fact that he did get to play last year, I think is extremely uh, beneficial. Um, I think he got into, I think, I want to say it's eight games, which... Um, mm-hmm. is, 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 was really a surprising development as it was happening. But, um, you know, once you sort of dug a little deeper into, into how things were going um, at the quarterback position, it made a lot more sense. He had a really good uh, touchdown-to-interception ratio. Um, he protects the ball um, extremely well, which is something that, you know, Khalil Tate struggled with a big time uh, toward the end of his tenure here. And when you have a defense, like we mentioned at the beginning, um, you know, that's been struggling for a long time, you know, one of the ways that you can help that unit out is by keeping the ball, protecting the ball, um, doing those sorts of things on offense. You can play, um, you know, what Coach Sullivan would refer to as complementary football. I don't want to go too crazy here, but if I compare freshman season to freshman season, I see a little bit of Justin Herbert in this kid. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Um, I've I've heard <laughs> I've heard that comp, um, and I think it was Brandon Schooler um, who might have made it. Uh, Brandon Schooler is Colin Schooler's brother, uh, grad transfer here from Oregon. So, you know, if anyone would know, you no, know, it would be him. Um, I think that uh, Justin Herbert is a little more physically gifted. Um, he's got a little bit better mobility, although Grant Gannell's mobility I think is better than people think. Um, I think he's got a stronger arm. Um, but to me, maybe the common trait between them is they both, they're both really you know, good demeanors about them. They're calm. Um, they're quiet, yet they're good leaders at the same time. Um, and, I mean, a big part of playing that position is, you know, the poise that you have under pressure. And Grant Cannell was thrown into some really sticky situations last year, like, playing you know, the second half on the road at USC um, with a huge deficit and taking a lot of hits, bouncing back up from those and, and you know, still delivering the football um, down the field. I think that was a really um, encouraging sign. He's worked really hard 
um, you know, to improve, you know, those physical aspects of his game. Um, but to me, the mental part is bigger. You know, um, it's Khalil Tate, who, who you guys brought up, has all the physical gifts in the world, um, but never really developed into a true, you know, capital Q quarterback um, during his time here. Um, I think Grant Gannell can do that um, through, you know, through his intangibles, through his work ethic, you know, through his, his, uh, his poise out on the football field. Michael Lev joining us. He covers the Arizona Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star in Tucson. Uh, much as we've seen a quarterback, do you think it's going to be kind of the smooth handoff at running back, J.J. Taylor, uh, all done? And Tate was the second leading rusher, actually. But Gary Brightwell's played quite a bit, averaged almost six yards a carry. Is it him? Is it somebody else? I think that it's their deepest position. Um, I think that Gary Brightwell's, you know, kind of the leader in the clubhouse as far as, um, you know, being the main guy. But even with J.J. Taylor here last year, um, they rotated quite a bit at uh, that position, and I think they will continue to do so. Um, like I said, a lot of depth there. Um, they really like a lot of the younger guys. Michael Wiley is sort of a, a hybrid-type player, someone who can – who can uh, line up in the slot and catch the ball out of the backfield. Nathan Tilford, um, who will be, I think, a junior this upcoming season, uh, maybe a redshirt junior. Um, he uh, is a little bit bigger, taller back, who's impressed every time he's gotten a chance um, to touch the ball. Bam Smith is another guy who um, is really adept at catching the ball out of the backfield. Gary Brightwell, um, you know, legit 4-3 type speed um, if he breaks out um, um, into the clear. And they're also bringing in a couple of freshmen, too, um, who play that position. One of them um, is from the state of Oregon, Jalen John, who on film reminds me a lot of Tilford, kind of a a bigger, more physical back. And then this kid named Frank Brown, Jr., from the Houston area, who's probably the fastest uh, of the bunch. Um, Legit breakaway speed. Another guy who can line up in the slot and catch balls out of the backfield, which is, which is something that um, Noel Mazzoni really likes in his system. Um, you know, I think with, with Grant Cannell at quarterback that you're going to see a different style of offense, you know, a lot less of the zone read type of plays. Um, I think you know, more passing of the football, and I think those running backs are going to be uh, deeply involved um, in the passing game. The one start... Um, the first start that Grant Gannell made, the game that he played from beginning to end against UCLA, I want to say he had 44 passing attempts in that game. Um, I think that's the type of offense um, you're going to see. The player that Noel compared Grant to was Brock Osweiler. And if you remember um, you know, those ASU teams from back in the day, there was a lot of, a lot of A, passing the football, to B, you know, a lot of short, quick passes, and and I think that running back core is going to be very involved in that. So someone's going into what his third year, if I'm correct here, has uh, yeah. been underwhelming as far as that goes. And you know, we hear Kyle Whittingham; he just preaches it on and on and on about how you need to recruit and good players make good coaches and all that stuff. Uh, so how is the recruiting going for someone? 
I think it's been okay. Uh, I think on the surface that people are probably disappointed with the overall results because, you know, the kind of the idea of bringing him in here was, you know, you're, you're going to get significantly better recruiting than what you had with the previous regime. I think if you can point to one, you know, downfall for Rich Rodriguez, who, you know, he had five winning seasons out of six years here, that he didn't recruit uh, to the level that he needed to to sustain success, you know, over the long haul. Um, they produced you know, barely any uh, NFL draft picks um, during his time here. You know, an average of you know maybe one a year, and, and that player usually was picked in the fifth round or later. Um, someone came in with a reputation as one of the best recruiters in the nation. Um, it's been tough though. Uh, it's a, he's he's discovered that it's a lot harder to recruit to Arizona. Uh, than it is to recruit to Texas A&M. Um, you know, they haven't brought in you know, many players who are higher uh, than three stars, but um, they have done a, a good job of finding some hidden gems. You know, uh, for example, um, Keon Bars, a defensive tackle from uh, Southern California who many people thought was going to be uh, a non-qualifier um, you know, through the connections that the coaching staff had. Um, they discovered him. They brought him in. He looks like someone who's going to step in and start um, this season. Uh, Christian Roland Wallace, uh, they, they won a recruiting battle for him with USC. He looks like he's going to be, you know, a staple in the secondary uh, for years to come. Uh, offensive tackle Jordan Morgan is another guy that USC was interested in. Um, he's from a town called Marana that's uh, right nearby here in Tucson, he looks like um, you know he's the type of athlete um, who de- eventually could develop into an NFL player um, along the offensive line. Um, so there's plenty of examples like that to be found um, in these recruiting classes. The ratings, the rankings, uh, are not what people were hoping for, uh, but he's a big believer um, in you know recruitment and development and feels like you know, he's got the types of athletes that he wants in place, now it's just a matter of the results. And I think, you know, I think he and, and other coaches who are on the quote-unquote hot seat heading into this upcoming season might get a break uh, in a way uh, because of the, you know, the whole coronavirus situation and the impact that it's going to have on the budgets of these um, college programs. Um, I think that uh, schools are going to be much less likely to fire coaches if they have to pay big buyouts, you know, given the financial crunches that they're under. So the honeymoon might get extended a little bit longer uh, for Kevin Selman here, you know, regardless of the results. Um, you know, if they go, if, if there's a, a full season and they go something like two and ten, you know, that's a different conversation. But if they can get back up into that 500 range, sneak into a bowl, um, you know, I, I think he's going to be okay. So I think in most of the stuff I've read, it's been some order of Utah, USC, and ASU at the top. USC basically number one, and then either ASU or Utah, two, three. And then the bottom three, UCLA is usually fourth, and then Arizona, Colorado, five and six. Do you see Arizona getting out of the bottom half of the Pac-12 South? I don't think it's inconceivable. Um, I, I don't think – I don't envision this team – um, winning the division, um, I, I think you know based on talent alone, 
uh, USC has to be the favorite. I mean, they've got a ton of guys coming back, a really good quarterback. You know, there's still, of course, questions about the coaching staff and, you know, the fans have, well, I've never seen a fan base turn on a coach to the degree that USC's fan base has turned on Clay Helton, but, you know, they did bring in a new defensive coordinator um, and the administration, uh, their vote of confidence in him has to mean something. Um, so on talent, on paper, I think USC definitely um, is the team to beat. Um, Arizona State uh, also brings back uh, a really young, impressive quarterback, but they did lose a lot um, in the meanwhile. And, and record-wise, they've been okay under Herm Edwards. I mean, I think the expectations that people had were so low uh, that's kind of skewed what the actual you know results have been. Utah's always good um, under Kyle Whittingham, like you mentioned, but you know probably loses more to. Uh, the pros than any program um, in the conference this upcoming year. So, you know, I think expectations are a little lower from them. Can Arizona, you know, crack that top three and knock any of those teams down? Maybe. Um, I, I don't have a ton of faith in their ability to do that. Um, after, you know, going four and eight this past season, I mean, to me, the bar is set somewhere around six and six. You know, if they can get, if they can get to six and six with the schedule that they have and get into a bowl game, that would represent progress, regardless of where you know they fall in the pecking order um, in the Pac-12 South. Hey, what was the reaction in Tucson to that HBO thing with Sean Miller? You know, I think that most people around here um, still have faith in Sean Miller. They don't believe that you know he did anything that was nefarious, um, any more so than any other college coach, and you know, and, they, and they'll continue to believe that until you know some sort of smoking gun is produced. And even though you know they had the tape that they played toward the end um, of that documentary, there was still no direct link between you know Sean Miller and this idea that. You know, he ordered or made payments for players to come to Arizona. So I think that, you know, even though the documentary, um, you know, implicated Arizona uh, among several schools uh, being involved in this so-called scheme, that uh, people are still loyal to Sean. If there's any criticism that the fans have um, towards Sean um, these days, it, it has a lot more to do with the performance uh, of the team on the court uh, than it does you know, anything that came out of that documentary. Um, you know, I, I don't cover basketball uh, for a paper, but, I mean, I do follow it um, extremely closely because, you know, I like to, to keep up with what's going on. And just looking at the social media reactions, you know, after they would lose a game that, you know, people thought that they maybe shouldn't. I mean, there's a lot of criticism of him. Um, and, you know, we would get a lot of pushback. Um, you know, for our writers would if, if we ever sort of criticized Sean, but apparently it's okay for the fans to do so, um, and they, they have done so um, quite a bit. Um, it's sort of like the comparison I would make is to USC football, which I used to cover uh, before I came here. They recruit at such a high level that it would raise the expectations um, for the fan base to, to unrealistic levels. And, and, 
And when you compare their recruits to the other recruits in the league, you can never understand why they wouldn't just win uh, the conference every single year. I think Arizona fans feel the same way about the basketball program here because they're always bringing in these guys who end up being first-round draft picks. The challenge, the hard part about that, though, is there's so much turnover. And it's, it's difficult to you know, sustain success from year to year when you're basically rebuilding the roster. And a lot of people think that you know, maybe Sean should, should change his tactics um, in recruiting and try to build a team a different way. It's hard, though, you know, to turn away um, these five-star recruits when they want to come to your school. So um, that's kind of where things are at with Sean Miller. I think among the fans, um, you know, they're, they're, much, um, they're much more concerned about the performance on the court um, than anything that came out in the courts uh, and in that documentary. Just win, baby. Al Davis got it right a long time ago, and he wasn't talking college <laughs> hoops, but he was right anyway. That's right. All right. Well, that's we. Right. Pr- that's all anyone. That's all anyone cares about around here. Michael, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us for a few minutes. Hey, thank you, guys. There's Michael Lev talking Arizona football. Writes for the paper down there in Tucson. When we come back, Big T. We'll talk jazz with him. We'll talk about uh, restarting the season. How much time would he need to get back in shape and get ready to go? And also uh, the relationship between Donovan and Rudy. He's been in a lot of locker rooms. I mean, Rudy. Bit, Big T played professionally for a long time. How does this stuff usually work itself out? How does it play itself out? How did it happen for him? And also, uh, what's he watching? We do what? What are you watching at seven fifty every day? What is he watching? We'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, we're joined now by Big T Thurl Bailey, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line, making it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Big T, good morning. Good morning, DJ. What are you? Hey, what's going on? What are you doing with yourself with all this free time? Well, um, you know, it, the, I think instead of talking about how it's kind of offset everything, good things that that it's done it's it's uh you know all my kids are home and you know i get to see my family every day although that may not be all good for my wife uh it's kind of nice it's really nice to kind of have everybody there and be creative and think of things to do that are you know keeping us safe but other than that just uh you know watching old playback games and watching horse tournament, uh, you know, things like that. Watching a lot of TV, a lot of streaming going on. Okay, so I need you to settle something for me, Thurl. Speaking of watching old games, you know, you find yourself flicking around, and I think it was two days ago I'm flicking around, and I came across a Marquette-Robert Morris game, and your kid hits a three in front of the 
his own bench, and then he had a block and a help at the rim. But something happened, and I didn't watch the whole game. And so I don't know who won. I don't know when it was played, if it was this year or last year. But who won that game? Can you fill me in? You said Robert Morris? I think it was Robert Morris, yeah. They were playing Marquette. It was. And, yeah, I, it was, and yeah. Howard, Howard had a real crummy game, I think. I, I don't know why they were showing it, but I think he was like 0 for 11 or something at one point. Um, yeah, they did win that game, and that that was one of the uh, kind of the you know the games that college teams play uh, just to kind of get a warm up. I mean, Robert Morris, I thought played pretty good that day, if I remember the game. Um, but yeah, my son Brendan did have a pretty good game that game. But yeah, I mean that's what we're doing. I mean, I've got all those games DVR'd anyway, so you know I can go back and sit down with my son sometimes when he doesn't even want to, and just say, "Son, this is what." You know, you did this game, you do this better. So it might not be so good for him, but uh, it does allow me the opportunity to to have a captive audience with him and my younger son and talk to them about about hoops. That's the one I'd want to watch if I were him. I'm looking at the box score. They won 66-62, and he had 10 points, five boards, three assists, a steal, two blocks. He did a little everything. He only turned it over one time in 27 minutes. Brendan, that's the game you want to watch if you got to put up with Thurl. <laughs> Yeah, he wants to watch, you know, there's a Maryland game he had uh, against Maryland last year when they were ranked, uh, I think, top 10, top 15. He had 27, and Marcus Howard didn't play as well. They lost that game, but, you know, he he, he had a really good game. And it's interesting how, you know, you only want to watch the games where you played well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to watch myself I would go. like that, too. Who, who wants to watch themselves go 0 for 10 and lose by 20? Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> hey, look, I missed again. All right, so we got uh, we got multiple issues to hit with you for you to weigh in on here, and uh, I, I know you can pull out some colorful stories. I just don't know if you'll choose to. Maybe you will, and withhold some names. Uh, obviously, you know Rudy this this weekend. Rudy did the uh, interview on social media, and everybody's been talking about you know, okay, what's the relationship like with he and Donovan? So, any light you can shed on what you think they're it's like now. And, you know, they're not playing now, so. But uh, what it'll be like when they finally get back together. And whereas a lot of people live in the moment, you will probably recall teammates who did or didn't get along or just kind of sort of got along and how much success you didn't did or didn't have with those teams. That kind of informs your opinion on where this is and where it might be going and how much it will affect winning and losing, which is what fans really care about. Well, I, I think... As much as we know, I mean, it, it happens on, on probably every team, every family, so to speak. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've been in that situation where I've been on teams where I did not get along very well with uh, a teammate or two. Um, and, and it wasn't necessarily long term. It was just, you know, you're, you're together a lot. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have different philosophies. Um, but... What is your what? What really is your goal? What's your personality? And that, that's everybody deals with that in the workplace. Uh, I'm sure you know you and PK deal with it sometimes. Um, Just when yacht gets really out of control. <laughs> exactly, but you know, you, there's a way to coexist and and still have the same goal and be able to get along. My personality has always been listen. Uh, we're teammates. We're going to find a way to work this out. 
I mean, there are some guys who are like, no, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be near this guy. I'm not going to pass to him or whatever. But, you know, I, I don't see that happening regardless of, you know, how serious it is. Or, I mean, I, I don't think anybody really knows, but those two, I mean, you can, you can read all you want. I know as an athlete, if I had a problem with a guy, um, you know, we were the ones who, who worked it out. It didn't really spill out of the locker room or get to the point where, you know, of course we didn't have social media and stuff like that either, but it just never, never really got it. Tried to work it out. And if we couldn't work it out right away, we, we coexisted. We, we knew that we needed each other. We needed everybody on the team, especially uh, certain you know, key guys to win basketball games. And, and so as an athlete, you just try to, you try to work it out. And, and if it gets to the point where you can't, then uh, I guess you You broke up there at the end, Thurl. Repeat the end. At the end, if you can't, what? And then it all broke up. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you got me now? Yeah. I said, you know, it, you, you try to coexist, you know, knowing that, especially if you're, you're, you know, players on the team that are key players that are having some kind of, a, you know, disagreement. But if it gets to a point where you're, you can't work it out, and obviously things will will take care of themselves, and 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 people will, you know, they'll know more about that relationship. But you know, I don't know if I see that with these guys. I mean, I think, you know, I, my issues on whatever team I was on and, and had issues with a guy, I was the guy to to step up and said, well, you know, what can we do? How can we work this out? How can we coexist? We want the same thing, and so. Um, you know, I'm I'm hoping that those are the the long term personalities of, of both those guys if there is something really seriously there that's affecting their relationship. Now, when you talk about uh, a relationship that you may have had as a player, was that more a, a personality thing or what was it related to, to basketball? Because to me, if it's not related to basketball, well then get over it. That's right. I, I totally agree. And, and my issue was always a personality thing. Um, you know, if I had a disagreement with a guy, it was more about, you know, his approach to his teammates. Um, you know, I was, I really considered myself uh, kind of a bridge. You know, if there were, uh, if there were issues going on and uh, between a couple of guys, I was always that guy that tried to, kind of step in and bridge that gap. If I had a problem with a player, a player had a problem with me, um, I normally was the one to step up or make the phone call to that, that player, um, you know, when we got home or whatever, and to say, well, what can we do? You know, what, what's, how can we mend this so we can, we can get past it? Um, and, and you need those kind of personalities. You can't have, you know, those personality types that are, that are just butt heads that it just doesn't work in, in the scheme of things not just for those two players but for for the whole team and the coach 
Big T, Thurl Bailey, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, in addition to this, I think there's a bigger picture that I think is even more important, and that is there are so many teams that are going to have money in the summer of 2021, and there are so many key players that either have uh, are going to be in free agency because of the end of their contract, or they have player options so they can end their contract and make them free agents. And so how are clubs, and maybe to a lesser degree players too, supposed to decide on, well, who do we want on our team or who do I want my teammates to be when they're getting so little input Input if a big chunk of games get missed? You know, and here yeah. it's easy to say because, well, Rudy would be up for a Supermax. Can the Jazz win with four three-point shooters and Rudy in the middle? Or do they have to go the way a lot of teams are going and have five three-point shooters on the floor to really get where they want to go? So that's a huge decision for them. But Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to be a free agent in Milwaukee. Uh, The Clippers have their guys set up on, their two big stars set up on shorter-term deals. Obviously, LeBron is getting older. How long can he keep doing this? And Anthony Davis has got to decide well, if it's not LeBron, are they bringing somebody else in, or do I need to go somewhere else? So everyone's got these huge decisions, and maybe they'll play a lot of basketball between now and then. It'll get easier to make, but maybe they won't. Everybody will be flying blind. Well, you hope that they – I mean, that's the hope. The hope is that there's some scenario that works out that, that brings some kind of – I don't think it'll ever be normal. Uh, well, I don't think it'll be normal for a while at least. I think uh, COVID-19 is really – offset a lot and you know i know that the the nba is working on several scenarios but uh, whatever scenario that ends up being it it has already put a you know put a huge uh, off kilter if you will in everything i mean you look at the money the teams are losing now not just with their teams but owners are you know with arenas not being used um, so financially, that's going to be a big issue anyway. Um, so I think at some point, you know, free agency is free agency, uh, and, and there is going to be money available. It's just a matter of, um, you know, you talk about LeBron. I mean, you, you've already players have already missed an opportunity potentially this year to have some kind of a, you know, a normal end to a season where you you crown a champion. And that's another year gone, right? So, um, you know, I mean, free agency is what it is. And, and, and you know that whatever scenario it ends up being, players are going to have the opportunity to, to move again or, you know, stay with their own teams. Who knows what the, that Supermax will be? Uh, it may have a different different look. But, um, you know, the the reality is, there is going to be free agency, and, and it's going to be interesting to see the different scenarios or the different uh, directions that these players end up choosing based on, you know, where we are uh, NBA-wise and, and financially. When you were a player either in college or high school, for that matter, growing up and then obviously in the NBA, w- when the season ended, how long did you take off before you got back into heavy training whether that be physical, whether that be pickup games. And the reason why I'm asking that is because we're now over a month where these guys have not been allowed or been able to have some form of heavy training, whether that be on their body or on their games. Well, I always took um, about three weeks off. Um, 
and I and I don't even think it was off, right? I mean, you talked about heavy training. I think every player who's gone through a, a rigorous season, um, when the season's over, you, know, you, you don't start training like you did prior to that season. You know, it's not heavy training. You kind of give your body a chance to recover a little bit. You spend time with your family, go on vacation. But you always do, you're always doing something, whether it's, uh, you know, getting on a treadmill in the morning or doing push-ups or stretching or uh, maybe shooting hoops with your kids. Always something that, that keeps you active. Um, but this is different, right, PK? I mean, this is different. I mean, players don't yeah. necessarily have the opportunity unless, you know, you're kind of the Mike Conleys and, and you've got your own gym um, and you've got a way to, to get those workouts in. But even even that, is, 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 it limits you as far as being competitive because nowadays you see a lot of these guys at some point in the season, they, you know, they find a way to, to, to find where the runs are, you know, where the five-on-fives are and, and kind of insert themselves into that playing playing up and down basketball. So there's not a lot of that going on. But, I mean, these guys, listen, they, they, they can find a way to work out. They can find things to do. Um, of course, it's all about you know, nutrition as well now um, and just doing things. You know, they can do yoga in, their, in, their, in the privacy of their own homes and things like that. So there are things to do, but I don't think that if that scenario ends up being for the NBA, okay, we're ready to play, none of these guys are going to be in basketball shape, right? So they're going to have to take some time, whatever time that is, to to figure out how to get guys back to playing shape or there's going to be, be a lot of injuries. So you played college basketball. Your son and daughter have both gotten college scholarships to play basketball and volleyball. Have you seen some money, um, if not flat-out wasted along the way, maybe spent aggressively, if that's a phrase? Uh, because we're seeing that colleges are worried that they're not going to get the revenue from the football season. They'll have to make cuts. The easy thing to do is drop sports. I think that's a painful process. Nobody wants to do it. Maybe they wouldn't drop them. Maybe they'd only suspend them for a few years. But that would also be bad. Is there something they can do? Where do you see some significant cuts that could be made so they don't have to drop sports? Wow, that's a, that's a great question. Um, well, of course, a lot of these schools, the the revenue-making sports are what? Football, basketball, um, and maybe for the most part, that's it. You know, the other a lot of the other sports live off of the revenue from those sports. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, this is all like new territory, isn't it, for for a lot of things, even that. Um, you know, I, I think at some point, though, I mean, if, if uh, you know, I don't, I don't know whether it's different for state-owned schools, um, obviously. I mean, there are a lot of schools who re- rely on the financial donations of, of others uh, for scholarships. So, I don't know. I don't know what that scenario looks like. I know that you know it will affect you know some of the smaller schools more than it will you know some of the powerhouses, obviously. But um, you know, if the cuts have to be made, it, it definitely won't 
be the you know the revenue sports obviously but um, it's it's sad i mean it's a sad state right now that we're in because nobody really kind of understands where it's going to end up or where we're going to be they're just trying to a lot of schools obviously are trying to prepare for the worst but and maybe hopefully bring those some of those sports back but it's just an interesting time to see what's going on and how COVID-19 is affecting uh, not just us as a as a country uh, financially with you know with unemployment being you know, skyrocketing now and people not having jobs um, but even this scenario we're talking about as far as when we do get going again how are we going to um, you know how, how's that going to look what's that scenario look like in college sports to where you know a school says well we can't we can't have this program anymore. We just can't afford to do it. Maybe we can do it later. So uh, it's it's a difficult time, man. It really is, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of where we how how soon it will be, or or how long it will take for us to to get back to that kind of normalcy. I'm not sure it'll happen for a while. Before you go, one thing to watch or binge watch. We're doing a segment every day now. What did you watch last night? You got something to help people out? Maybe something they missed out on they ought to catch up on? You know, no. Um, my my kids my kids are movie buffs. Um, and my 16-year-old was looking for something to watch. And um, my older son said, asked him if he had ever seen the movie The Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, and my youngest son hadn't seen it. So they watched that last night. Um, and, and I mean, those kind of movies, you know, the feel good ones, um, are always good to watch, especially family wise. Uh, I thought, uh, I'm trying to see what my, my daughter, my daughter Brielle loves these, um, these crime movies, right? She likes to try to solve those, like the whole cold thing. Uh, she was, she's really honed in on that. So she tries to get us to watch some of these shows that you know you have to try to solve and figure out who the killer was and all that but there's a variety of stuff out there man um i'm not sure i'm binge watching as much as i'm just sitting in on what everybody else is watching uh so but it's fun it's fun to see the the different stuff our our kids like to watch um the one thing that i cannot do my wife's going to kill me is uh and, and maybe she hasn't watched it as much but are you guys wising into the Hallmark channel? No. Well, I, I'm not dogging it out because I know this is like everybody's listening. It might get back to my wife. But um, <laughs> but uh, that's 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 uh, not a channel we're watching right now, although it is supposedly a feel-good. Um, Christmas season, Thurl. I know, man. And, you know, yeah. and, and that Christmas season for the Hallmark channel – starts in like August. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> All right, Big yeah. T, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves. There's Big T, Thurl Bailey. When we come back, what is trending? The headlines are next.